Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Talk To Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. As you can see, we're back on Zoom. No, we're not in lockdown again, but my guest is all the way across the sea. He's all the way in America. Pastor Eric, thank you for joining me today, sir. It's definitely a privilege to be here. Um, I met Pastor Eric through my Bible college courses at Veritas. He's taught about four of the courses I've taken. And um, I thought a couple of months back, you know what? I should probably get to know this guy since I've been seeing him uh, via videos. I should probably get to know him. So we had a chat recently and you graciously agreed to jump onto the podcast. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Love to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're from. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is uh, Eric McKay, as was mentioned. Um, I am married uh, for uh, almost seven years here to my wife, Carrie. Um, we have two young sons, Ezra. He is uh, almost three years old. And then we have uh, my second son. His name's Elias, and he is actually born on my wife's birthday. So uh, they share a birthday. Um, he is seven months old. And so our life is definitely pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I teach, obviously, as was mentioned, at Veritas uh, Baptist College, as well as I've been a youth pastor for 13 years, and I'm transitioning now uh, to be a lead pastor. So I'm really looking forward to that. So currently, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, in the United States, and I'm going to be transitioning to Dayton, Ohio. Um, and I also, my, I started my ministry um, in Minnesota. Uh, and so it, obviously, just to kind of describe it for you guys there, um, we would have six feet of snow pretty much every winter uh, below uh, we'd have 40 below windshield factor I mean it was cold and so they call it the frozen tundra I've heard people call it Minnesota uh, but anyways it's cold and I and I live in Florida now and people are wondering why am I going back up to Ohio uh, but that's just the way the Lord works and the Lord's been working in our hearts um, and I, I went to Bible college uh, in 2008 and 2009 and then I actually I've I, got my bachelor's and master's. Then I just received a second master's just this past year uh, from Veritas as well. So I'm just really looking forward uh, to seeing what God does here for our family in the future. Mate, so you're, you're a very busy man, that's for sure. But let's take it back before we get into everything, into the pastorship and into youth ministry. You come from Minnesota. Now, yeah. like you said, it's a very snowy place, very cold over there, very different for us in Australia where we don't see snow whatsoever. Um, right. What was it like growing up in Minnesota? What was it like over there? You know, I, it's it was pretty much everything I knew until I went off to college and then obviously came down here to Florida. But, um, you know, it's just it's unique, just kind of the difference. And, you know, we you know, we may talk about this, even the difference between America and Australia. But there's a huge difference even between Minnesota and Florida and just even the people. Um, you know, I, I felt like a lot, uh, you know, in our states, we obviously have different states that are uh, a little bit more liberal and we have some that are a little bit more conservative in Minnesota. It was more of the liberal, uh, state. And if, uh, anyone has followed news, uh, Minnesota was kind of the center point of a lot of the racism and some of the right. things that were going on. And then, you know, and then Florida is very conservative. And if you know anything about Florida, we have one of the most conservative governors, and he's he's probably going to be one of the candidates for uh, president coming up here uh, for America. But it's just just the people. And, you know, it, it are, they're just so, so different. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if weather does this to you, but, you know, it's almost like the people, it seems like in Minnesota at times were a little more cold mm -hmm. uh, to you, just kind of in their 
and you know, even you go out and you try to reach people um, at first, they're, they're kind of got their guard up a little bit. And in Florida, it's, there's a little bit more of a laid back, it's slow moving. Um, that's kind of known, like the South's kind of known for that. And then, you know, the North, there's a little bit more fast paced. So even in our, my youth groups, the two different youth groups I've had, it was kind of different. So growing up, it's like, you know, I didn't really know that it was a lot different. And so I would say the last three years or so, I've really, you know, seen, a, you know, wow, you know, there's, a, there's some differences between uh, Minnesota and Florida, but I'm definitely more of a suburb type guy. I don't, I'm not really middle of the country or big city. So I, I, that's what I liked about Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jacksonville is just so huge. It's a little big for me. So what was it like growing up around that? I mean, like you said, you wouldn't have noticed it being there, but coming out of it and taking a look back, how do you think that developed you as a person seeing all yeah. that around you? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's, 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 I've had to be more, um, you know, conscientious of, just, just people. Like, I feel like I even now, um, have, you know, a lot of times it's, it's helped me to have a different perspective and try to have a perspective that, you know, um, not everyone thinks the same way I do. And so sometimes even just, you know, when I was there, you know, it was just so easy to be in a sense, cold towards people. Like I, like, for example, I grew up in a family that like, we didn't hug people, you know, that was just, that was just, wasn't our thing. You know, like I said, it was a little bit more, you know, and you, you, you come down here and everyone's so, you know, first time coming up to church and everyone, you stand in line, everyone's giving you bear hugs, you know? And so I think for me, a big difference. And one thing that I've learned is just, um, just how, just loving people more on that of an intimate level. And, um, you know, you know, I cared about people. It's funny in church, you know, you get up there and you preach and, you know, you get a lot of like head nods, you know, and down here, it's like, people are, they're into the message. They're, 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 uh, and it could be, maybe it's just the church, the difference in churches, but they're that responsiveness. And I just feel like there's a difference just even in, in the spirit, you know? And and so I, I, there's churches spend so much of my life. So, you know, I don't know if you can kind of compare necessarily Minnesota and Florida, but it's, it's just the different styles of churches that I grew up in. There's just more of a warm welcoming. And I just feel like that's a lot of how Jesus was and uh, just how, you know, just, just loving, loving God, loving people and just that genuineness. And it's something that looking back, it's like, man, you know, there's some things I wish maybe I was a little too harsh or, uh, you know, in some of these ways. And maybe there's some things that I, I could go back. In fact, my first year here in Florida, I, I just went down a list and there's like, you know, I, I wrote a list of eight to 10 people that I just need to write and say, you know, I'm sorry, I wronged you. Would you forgive me? You know, um, because maybe a, a response that I had, or I had, I, you know, pushed my point of view and didn't take time to kind of see where they were at. So that's one thing that kind of helped open my eyes kind of moving down here. Yeah. I guess the culture difference really does put a shock into the system and makes you reevaluate everything. Um, sure. How important, how important do you find that now seeing that, okay, I have seen cultural differences. I have seen the difference in myself and what I need to change. How has that changed the way you look at how you deal with yourself in reevaluating things, I guess? Yeah. I think for, for one is not taking myself too seriously. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, that was it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's understanding. And it, I think it's just really the gospel, you know, um, I think so much we try to achieve and try to please and um, the wrong, the wrong person, you know, Uh, 
And, and then, you know, also realizing that, you know, God loves us and he already sent his son. And once we're saved, we're always saved. And, you know, there's nothing that can change how much or how little he loves us. He loves us. You know, that's not changing. He's, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I think the perspective of that is just kind of like I was saying about not taking, taking myself too seriously and, and just really enjoying, you know, at times it's like, I would, I would get so stressed out or so, you know, worked up because, you know, uh, and, and I couldn't get my mind off of certain situations that were so difficult. And I think down here, it's just learning kind of to relax. And, you know, um, the key word I said when I moved down here was, is that someone asked, well, what's the difference? And I was like, freedom. I feel like I have freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom in my relationship with others, um, you know, freedom to do what God has called me to do. And, you know, it, it, and when you can, when you can realize that and you realize the freedom that you have in the gospel and you figure out what your true identity is through the gospel, uh, so many people in our world struggle with identity. And I was one of those people. I was one of those people that struggled with that. So that's, that's one thing that's impacted me is again, not, not taking myself too seriously, understanding and finding my identity through Christ and realizing that there's no one or nothing that can change that. And, uh, being satisfied with that. Yeah. So let's talk about that then. How did you find your identity in Christ? How did you become a Christian? Yeah. So for me, you know, I, this is, my journey is a little bit different because, and I know some people may, may have a similar, I grew up in a Christian home. And so, you know, at times you think like I should have, I should have this, this amazing gospel story that I should be able. And I think, uh, you know, you had taken my personal evangelism class. Everybody's gospel story is amazing. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or whether you, you know, you had a broken life and, you know, you maybe got into trouble and you got in, in some miraculous way, you came back to, uh, to the Lord. Listen, everybody's salvation uh, story is miraculous. And that's because of Jesus. And, you know, for me, I got saved at a young age and I was saved when I was five years old. And, um, you know, with that, there's, there's come a lot of things along the way. And I still remember it clear as day. I've had many people, well, didn't you get did you? I'm sure you had assurance of salvation at, at some point. Well, I had assurance of my salvation when I was five, you know, when yeah. I got saved that I yeah. was sure. You know, and so for me, and, and that, I know that's not the same way for everybody else, but I asked Jesus into my heart and I've shared my story. I still remember my, you know, I was praying, I had some Batman sheets and <laughs> I, you know, I remember it was after a Wednesday service, my grandpa preached and we had bunk beds and we, my dad had talked to me and we went and we prayed and my life was changed forever there. Now, you know, obviously as you start this, this sanctification process, you start this process of what is the Christian life, this marathon you know, there, there's obviously bumps and things in the road. And, you know, I would get my eyes on different things, almost in a sense, pharisaical of thinking, you know, this is how I'm supposed to look, or this is what I'm supposed to say. Listen, I could, I could, I could do that. I could tell you all the Christian lingo, but finding my gospel identity and understanding in that moment, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, my identity was now a believer. I was a, I was a Christian and nothing could take that away. And, you know, my, you know, as much as I may stray or, or my position in Christ doesn't change. And so uh, at times I've tried to seek for my identity and other things when there was no, no point to seek. I already, my identity was through Christ. And, you know, that's the, that's the biggest thing I think of when you're thinking about your gospel identity and, and 
you know, I'm sure, I'm not sure if you've read the book yet, but uh, Carrie Schmidt's book, Stop Trying, is a perfect, you know, a perfect book on gospel identity. And instead of trying to please the audience of many, ultimately it's the audience of one that truly matters. Yeah, that's right. And I'd like to get into that then, because you're right. I think Christians, especially Christians that have grown up in the church and have testimonies similar to ours in getting saved at a young age, feel that they do need to find their identity in the church or in someone else. Right. And that's where the judgmental or the pharisaical sort of culture does come into play. And that does come into play in a lot of lives. And then when Christians start growing up, they hit their teen years and they start thinking, I don't want this. It's too hard a life to live. How Mm -hmm. detrimental is that to a church? How detrimental is that to a Christian themselves? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think it's extremely detrimental. And I think, I think in a, I, I've been on this probably kick for a while. Mm. I think a lot of that, you know, is a discipleship problem. Okay. And, you know, for me, for me, it's like, I look at our churches and I, we're not, I just feel like we're not discipling. Well, you know, right. when we get saved, right. We're saved, we're baptized. It, what happens, you know, we're, we, we can have a church and, and I'm convicted of this myself. All right. So we've, we've been able, I came down here to Florida and we started these ministries and we started seeing kids get saved like crazy. And it's great. And mm. salvation is the most important decision anybody can make. So I'm not here to try to water that down or anything. That's great. But the problem is, as soon as we see these people saved, yeah, we may get them into the baptism waters. You know, the percentages maybe even lower that we've seen. We've seen several of these young people say, then what's next? You know, that's the thing, yeah. you know, and so, you know, for us and, and so, so we have these, these people that have been newly saved, they're newborn babes, right? And we're talking about spiritual growth here and how do they get from being the newborn babes? Like we, we had a lecture in this in our, in our class and to, to, the, to that spiritual maturity to where they then can go and start sharing what they've learned with somebody else, you know, um, you, to me, it's like churches aren't doing it. You know, they may be seeing people saved, you know, because why, you know, they're important in the numbers that that's what they think is important. Well, I have a hundred people saved. well, I'd rather you have one person that gets saved, follows the Lord and believers baptism, and then walks through life and with you alongside of you gets understands, you know, what it means and that they, they don't have to be out here trying to please man or live up to a certain standard. Uh, ultimately it's all about Jesus and that's what it's about. And uh, having people go through the fundamentals of the faith with them and help them to build a foundation. And I guarantee and when you do that, when you have that, whether that's helping them through small groups, one-on-one type of discipleship or whatever works best for, for you, as you are connecting with that one person, and then, then you start to see, you know, and, and, and they have that foundation so that when maybe some, some things come up, they can always go back to that firm foundation, just like the story in the Bible of the wise man, and the foolish man, the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. You know, it's, it's all about your foundation. And, you know, that's what we're doing is we have all of these Christians that are going through life and they're questioning and they're trying to strive for um, excellence in what man thinks of them, because from the beginning, they never got that discipleship or that mentoring that they needed. And so it's one thing that I'm so passionate about because, you know, we can, we have great churches, churches that are preaching the gospel, churches that are seeing people saved. And, and very quickly, you're seeing many of these people that are newly saved or baptized 
leaving the church because they are not getting the proper discipleship in their life. And it takes, it takes time. It takes effort on both the discipler and the disciplee. And so to me, a lot of this, what we're talking about in this gospel identity can be solved if we do exactly what Jesus talks about in Matthew 28. And, you know, there's a reason he's not just talking about uh, salvation and baptism, but he's also talking about teaching and the, that discipleship process. I think that's that's big. And I think that's something that people tend to forget about discipleship, right? Is they think it's a 12-week course. You finish mm-hmm. off that 12-week course and then they're done. They're good to go. You leave them as it be. Um, Absolutely. When that's completely, you know, wrong. And that's besides the fact. I, I There was one particular guy that um, I had the blessing to disciple and he and I went through the 12 week course. We loved life. He ended up getting baptized, joining the church. And three, four years later, he and I are still in contact. We are still talking okay. about some of the issues we were talking about back then, but now we're talking about different issues that have come up. And that's the thing that I think we forget about as churches, as people that go to church is that we're there for each other. We're there to help each other through this. And it can be so easy to lose sight of the main purpose and the main goal of the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a big thing going around here um, in our churches. Who's your one, you know um, I think we're so quick to try to get 20 people that we're doing this with, you know, and yes, we want to have this change the world mentality. All of us would love to do that, you know, uh, be a Billy Graham or, you know, be, you, you know, DL Moody some people that are reaching millions, you know, and uh, not everyone's going to be that. So just reach your one, you yeah. know, and who's your one. And that's important. It, you know, you can reach your millions, but you know, what, 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 what impact are they going to have on the world if they're not being discipled? But imagine if you, you're, you're, you have your, your one and I'm reaching my one. And I used to be like that. I used to be like, mm-hmm. I want to try to influence and it became a lot of quantity over quality and you know and what you're saying is because you know when you take that time you know that's exactly right you know you have 12 weeks sure but then you know and it may look different after those 12 weeks but there's still that connection you know I'm helping guys I discipled buy cars I'm helping guys you know those are the types of things that we are we're helping them practically through life but also during those times we're teaching them um, different things spiritually as well yeah, biblical values and biblical, biblical principles to help them get through life rather than them just being uh, words on a page or a list of rules that need to be followed. Absolutely. And that's the big thing about Christianity that I, I constantly rave about is the biggest difference about Christianity and religion is we're, we're, we're striving to have a relationship here. We're not, we're not striving to follow a set of rules or we're not striving to make sure that we tick off the list. We want, to stri- we want to strive to make sure that our lives are completely different. Mm. You know, the Amen. Ray I was yesterday is not going to be the same Ray tomorrow. That's Amen. the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Goal. Absolutely. Um, you know. So how, how'd you get into to ministry in general? When did God call you? When did you get out there? Yeah, for sure. So um, I was a junior in high school, um, their missions conference. Sorry, and... junior is year 11 here, guys. Yes, 11th grade. Yes, year 11. Sorry. Uh, sorry uh, but, we're very different and we'll get into I that oh i know and i have to remember that too you know <laughs> so so yeah just correct me on anything so uh, you know we understand i, we'll I mean I remember, going, I remember going to the philippines and they were like yeah they're year 10 you know and but they were graduating and so it was weird for me you know to so i have to 
that you know forgive me for nah you're you know, right have you ever been here have you ever been to australia no i i, I want to as long as soon as stuff opens back up that, that makes it easier that my wife and i would both dream of being there so Mate, you're we, coming straight down to sydney and uh yeah, we'll show you what it's to. like down here you know we drive on the right side of the road we let's go uh, we do a lot of we do a lot of things better than you guys that's for sure yeah come on, I'm saying. come on i'm i'm, I'm i want some of the food that's what i want oh uh, mate don't you worry we'll, we'll get you guys fed up we'll get you guys fed up the one thing you guys do better than us for sure though is sports yeah i have to say mate your sports programs are unreal yeah it's 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 crazy i mean it's you know and i'm i'm a sports fanatic obviously and i, I know you know that but um it, it's just interesting to me though even all the different sports around the world i think that's why an olympics when, when we do Olympics, so, you know, I always thought it was, I always think it's interesting. We have the world series, but it's all teams from America, you know, yeah. how is that really the world series? Like, you know, and, um, but you know, you, you have these different things and like, I, you know, you, I think we had talked before about rugby and, um, you have, diff, you have different sports, you know, that are just all over the different, uh, you know, the, the world that are so different. And so it's always cool when the Olympics brings that together and, uh, it always seems like, you know, USA and Australia battle it out in the pool. And that's so it, that's, always fun. that's always fun to watch. So. That's it. I, I love that you guys are world champions every time you guys win a, uh, a comp, whether it's NBA, that's NFL, cool. you know, it's yeah. the National League, but you're the world champions. Sure. Exactly. We're the no world worries. champions of America. <laughs> no worries. Okay. I, so- never, I never got it either. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're in uh, year 11, you're a junior. And, yep. So uh, I was calling you. Yeah, I'm junior in high school, eleventh uh, year eleven, and uh, missions conference. We have a um, as a pastor actually preaching from um, Oklahoma, one of the states here, and uh, he just and honestly, I don't remember a whole lot of what was going on. I just know God. The whole service was working on my heart, and mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know what direction it would go, um, but at that point, I really felt like God wanted me to preach, and. So I went forward and, you know, I prayed and I said, God, you know, I just surrendered my life. I said, whatever, whatever you want, you know, whatever that looks like, whether that's in full-time ministry where I'm focused solely just on ministering to people, whether it's, I have a secular job to where, you know, and I, and then in my free time, I do whatever with the best I can to minister that way. And pretty quickly after that, you know, we took some trips to see some universities and different colleges around here. And I just, I, I start, I ended up going to a school out in uh, California and, um, you know, every summer I'd come home and I'd work at our camp, our summer camp. And I really just started to begin to, um, have a love for people, but also for young people. And I, I just remember I'd stay up almost every night talking to different kids and just, just realizing the stuff that they were going through. And hmm. one, it, it, it helped me to realize how fortunate I am, you know, with how I grew up. And then secondly, it it showed me the need, the need for people to work with young people. Not everyone is, is created to do it, you know? Um, but I, I just, you know, I just, the Lord really put it on my heart and I had a passion. So I, you know, as I was getting through my first year or so of school, I started to transition to do youth ministry major. Um, and you know, I, I just have, gone from there and, you know, stayed, did my master's in Christian education, because I always thought I always have had a desire to teach. And then, um, then, you know, as soon as I left college, I went back to actually my home church at the time in Minnesota and 
I started working as a youth pastor there and uh, did it for 10 years, just loved on the kids. And then I thought I was done. I thought it was over. I thought I was, you know, at the point I, I was basically going to just train to be a pastor, come down to Florida just within a couple weeks. The pastor's like, I really want you to be my youth pastor and didn't know how long it would last. And then as we've talked about briefly um, here is that I was now, I feel like the Lord is leading me into this direction and uh, looking forward to being a lead pastor. So that's awesome. Now, before we do get into the lead pastor stuff, let's talk about the youth side of things. For sure. um, before you get into some of the experiences you had as a youth pastor and a youth leader, what do you think's the one thing that people underestimate about teenagers? Because you said, you said it, you know, you don't realize what they're going through. What's yeah, the one yeah. thing you think people underestimate about them? Um, that they can serve now. You know, um, I think, I think for me, it's like, we look at teenagers like they're our future. And I know you've, you've heard me say this many times They're they're our church now, you know, yes, they are the people that are going to, uh, continue and we're going to pass the baton on to, um, but you know, right now they need to be involved and, and not only do they need to be involved, they want to be involved. And so I think that's something that we underestimate. We look at them like, oh, they're teenagers. Oh, you know, they're not responsible. You know, they're, uh, they're not capable. And I think that's totally, totally false. I think that they are. And, you know, I've, I've seen teenagers lead Bible study. I've seen some teenagers lead Bible studies better than adults, you know, mm. uh, and that's a no, no slam on adults. It's just that we've had some really polished, sharp teenagers that have done well. And, you know, it, when we uh, just imagine you get these young people serving right now um, and, and, and seeing them thrive and enjoy. We have our teens on our worship team. They sing every Wednesday. They're more likely to, to continue serving because they love it. And, you know, as, they have spiritual gifts too. What, you know, why are we waiting till they're adults to place them in those areas. They have a spiritual gift to sing, you know, we want to put them in that place now. And as they thrive, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to stay in church. Yeah, that's And right. so that's one thing I would say is like, you know, just don't, uh, we underestimate their, you know, even their potential. And we think, oh, well, you know, in 10 years, but you know, no, they need to be serving right now. I think that's massive, especially in today's day and age and, you know, where we're at in 2021. I know people like to say, oh, uh, you know, kids are a lot dumber than they used to be. Kids aren't as smart as they used to be. I think it's on the contrary. I think they're a lot smarter right now. They're so much more switched on than um, they ever have been in the past. I think the one thing they lack is motivation and, you know, they're lazy because all they want to do is play Fortnite, but that's fair enough. Yeah. But they're a lot smarter. They get it. You know, TikTok, mm -hmm. as weird as an app that might be, it's taught them video editing skills, for example. Right. You know, it's taught them creativity. It's taught them how to present something. And I think mm -hmm. if we look at it from that perspective, you can say, okay, hold on a minute. Our teens actually can contribute a lot more to the church than we're giving them credit for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can be, they can be key integral uh, parts of your ministry, you know, and we do have to give them the benefit of the doubt, like, like you're saying. So. No, I agree with you. Cause we, we do the same here. I mean, we, we have our teens on stage. They, they sing every Sunday. They, they also help lead our, our kids programs down here as well that, you know, it's just so important to do that. Cause like you said, it develops a love for ministry. Right. That's how, that's how my love for ministry developed. Someone trusted yeah. me to do a slideshow for a service at one point. I think I was 11. 
Yeah. And then from that, it just developed and grew. And I think it's important that we nurture that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've been in places too, where adults basically just talk about how much they hate, hate their job being in, and they're in ministry. Mm. And what do you think the team's going to do? You think they're going to want to be in ministry? No, yeah. you know, they're not going to want to be in ministry, mm. you know, and when we show them and have them be a part of what God can do through a yielded vessel, um, it's pretty remarkable. And, you yeah. know, I think we, we look at it like, well, why aren't there teenagers that want to be pastors or youth pastors or teachers? Well, because we as adults have pushed them out of the church as teenagers. Right. So why do you expect them to be that now? Yeah. And I don't think they see it. It's something that I've spoken to our leaders now, pastor about a lot. I don't think they see ministry as an, an option. Right. And a lot of people out there look at ministry and say, uh, that's for a specific set of people. For sure. That's for a specific type of person. Now, if God's mm-hmm. called you to it, he's called you to it and he can help right. you get there. Don't discount yourself in that area. Absolutely. So you get into youth ministry. What's, what's, what's the years in youth ministry been like? What's it been like being a youth pastor? Oh man, I loved it. And I, it, it's, it's, this is a bittersweet transition for me, for sure. Um, you know, I just really, in my life, I just like hanging out with young people. Um, mm-hmm you know, seeing their potential, but also just the, you know, I'm a teenager still at heart. I think I, I probably always will be, I like to have fun and, you know, different things like that with them, but, you know, just, just, just having, being a part of the future, um, being a part of them in the present, uh, it's just, you know, I feel like I've received such, such a blessing from them, probably even more of a blessing than I've given them. Um, it's just, just seeing, you know, as they blossom, you know, and walking through difficult times in their life and seeing a kid that, you know, maybe walked away from the Lord and it comes back to the Lord. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out what they believe. They're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to figure those things out and having a small part in that, um, is just, is just pretty amazing. And so, you know, over the years, it's like, you know, you've your ups and downs, you have good youth activities, you have bad youth activities, you have, uh, you know, you have, um, you have easy parents and you have difficult parents and, uh, you know, you have a little bit of everything. I'm not going to say it was easy. Um, mm. uh, but one thing that I, I can tell you is it was worth it. And, uh, I would, I, you know, if anyone is interested in being a youth leader or a youth, uh, worker or youth pastor, I I would just encourage you to pray about it. And um, I I don't think you'd regret it. And, you know, I know we, the the teens get this, they get this label on them, as we've mentioned, uh, just that they're, they're slackers or, you know, um, that they're, they're, there's just some things in their life that, you know, one, one way or another would detract them from, from being someone you would want to work with. Yeah. And for me, it's just like, I, I, so total opposite, you know, it's, 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 if it wasn't for God moving me, I'd, I'd do it the rest of my life. 100%. Okay. We'll put you on the spot then. Uh, Best youth uh, program you put together, worst youth program you put together. Oh man. Um, Well, I've had some, uh, so we had one here in Minnesota and we, you know, if, if any of you are up on dude, perfect, I don't know if you've seen dude, perfect they, yeah, same those and stuff. So, you know, it was a popular thing. It's still pretty popular right now. 
And uh, this is probably about five or six years ago. So I'm like, man, this is, they, they love it. And, you know, I'm trying to get something. So I'm, a, I'm we're going to do a dude perfect youth activity. Well, the only problem is, is they couldn't make anything. So it was, <laughs> we should have called it, dude, we should have called it dude imperfect. And it, it just got to a point to where we had to try all these trick shots and it just, no one was making anything. People were getting frustrated it just was not good. And I haven't done it since, um, you know, maybe if we did it more as dude imperfect and made a joke of ourselves or something, or maybe I needed to make it easier. Um, I don't know. Uh, but we did that. That was, that wasn't, that wasn't that great. Uh, so that, that was pretty awful. Um, you know, honestly, you know, some of the best ones that I did in, in Minnesota, we, so middle of winter, we would have, we would have our banquets and we would roast a pig. And so, really, um, yeah, so that was that's pretty quality. fun. So, you know, you think in Minnesota, that's, you don't really think of people roasting a pig and we had a Christian school. And so these, you know, every class, it was like a field trip out to see the pig being roasted, you know? That's so cool. that was, that was pretty awesome. And, um, you know, that was just a, a lot of kids ended up uh, coming and being a part of that. And we were thankful for that. And then, you know, I would say in, in Florida, we've had, some really, really productive youth activities. We do, we call them our teen wars and we've done different things. Like we've done uh, soda wars, which we did like Coke versus Pepsi. We did sneaker wars. We did like Nike versus Adidas, stuff like that. Uh, you know, and we, we split the guy, the teams up and um, we really, really push for it. Then I do something crazy every year during this. So I think the first year they shaved my head. So I grew my hair out for like two months and they shaved, (laughs) they got to shave my head if we had a hundred people. And then last year I got, it was, uh, eat the hottest chip. Um, so that was, yeah, that was uh, pretty interesting. So so you put yourself through a lot of pain then. Yeah, it's worth it, man. I feel like, I feel like as a youth pastor, you got to go all out, you know, if you're not, you're, you know, and, and this year we, so again, it kind of, we, our youth group was really liking the dude perfect thing this year. And, um, so we did the wheel unfortunate. So if you ever see dude perfect, it's, they spin this wheel of these unfortunate things that you may have to do. And so I did one, if we hit 50, 75 or a hundred, um, you know, so one of them was I had to dye my eyebrows pink. So I did it temporarily, but, um, I had my eyebrows pink for a while and then, um, and then each year we do that where if you bring a visitor, they got to put a pie in my face. So that was part Brilliant. of it. So it was just a big event and, but we'd, we'd have kids and they just go and invite their friends and, you know, each year we'd have several, several come. And so, um, you know, we see, we saw multiple kids saved through that. I think That's the awesome. first year we had 16 kids saved. Um, and so that was a blessing. And then, um, you know, honestly, as far as kids, they always enjoy lock-ins uh, as adults. We do not, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, you know, uh, so, so those have been really popular here as well. Um, but those are just a few of the ones uh, that have gone well. And then, you know, that was, the other one was probably our worst one. Well, mate, you just gave me a lot of ideas to put our youth leader through. <laughs> so I'm loving life right now. Um, then you move over. God calls you into pastoring. What was yeah. that call like? What What did it feel like knowing that God had called you to this role? Right. Um, you know, it was a wrestling match. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, again, and I, I not not to keep repeating myself. This is a very this is, and I, I'm being very sincere with this. This is a very bittersweet moment. Um, I'm leaving kids that I dearly love and 
I mean, we, when I told them, you know, there was not a dry eye in the room, you know, I, it hit home. I had, I had a young man come up to me and after and said, sorry, I couldn't say much. Um, I was kind of in shock. You're like my dad, you know, he doesn't have a his dad passed away when he was one. And, you know, that's, that's just some of the roles as youth leaders that you play in these kids' lives. That, and sometimes you don't even realize it. Yeah. And so, you know, I truly genuinely love these kids. And so what, what is wrestling with the fact of like, you know, why do I want to leave an area where I'm comfortable, you know, an area that, you know, where these kids, you know, every day I wake up and I'm excited to, you know, go to their basketball game, or I'm excited to see them in youth group, or, you know, I mean, you talk about people that hate their jobs, and you talk about people that absolutely, like, they wake up and they love it, and they can't wait to go, that was me, I loved it, I, I've, I've had jobs that I disliked very much, and uh, this is, being a youth pastor was not one of them, and then, you know, so it was wrestling in that fact, but it was also wrestling because I wasn't sure what exactly I wanted to do. I, I, I knew God had had called me to, to pastor. And I was thinking, you know, maybe when I am around 40 years old, that seemed, you know, like a good time. And, you know, I'm that type of person. I always like to forecast like, okay, here's my goals. You know, this is what I want to do by the time I had a bucket list that was like, I want to do 30 things before I'm 30. And it had like 130 things on it, you know, and I had one, then I, so I finished a lot of those and I'm like, I want to do 40 things before I'm 40. And so I'm always someone that kind of has these things in line. Like these are the goals that I want to have and I want to do it by this time. And so you know, that was part of it wrestling with, am I really ready for this? And I, and again, people probably have said this many times, but I don't think you're ever fully ready. Uh, but so there's a wrestling with that. And then again, wrestling with like, I teach at the college as, you, as we've mentioned, is it, do, am I, is my next role going to teach and then maybe launching into pastoring at some point? Um, I really have had a desire of training future leaders and, you know, whether that be through, whether that be through a college, which I'm thankful with our college, I can still continue to teach and pastor at the same time. Um, but then also, um, you know, when you look at some of these things, you know, as far as I'm, I'm going, uh, you know, do I want to teach? I want to train future leaders. Well, yeah. what does a pastor do? You know, you're training future leaders, you know, you're yeah. and, and at our, our church right now that I'm going to in Ohio is there's, they have so much potential. And there's so many, I, one of the first things they told me is we have a lot of guys that feel like they're called to preach. Well, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be training future leaders. And God really has oh, just opened doors and opened my eyes. And, you know, and, it, and really when it all came about, my pastor had called me in. Okay. And, and we talk a little bit in our, our college classes about transitions, but my pastor called me in and was like, Eric, you know, uh, have you been thinking about being a pastor? And I was like, Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Like, am I in trouble? You know, type of thing. But no, he was just like, God has just really been putting on my heart that, and he's like, I even called and uh, he called pastor Skelly, who's uh, uh, the, the college is based out of his church. And uh, he's like, I asked him and he's like, well, I think Eric should already be a pastor and you should just ask him. And so I'm asking you, what do you think? And I'll be like, I was like, honestly, pastor, I've been wrestling with this for like the last six months. And I do, I think this, is where God wants me to go. And, you know, I'm the type of person that needs a little bit of a nudging and God knows that I think. And so, uh, and this time he put it on my pastor's heart to encourage me. And honestly, it really came together pretty quickly. Um, when we went up to Minnesota or up to Ohio, we really, uh, fell in love with the people. Um, I, it's just, it's just crazy. The church is on like 13 acres of land and awesome. right across, it's like two, two miles away from the freeway. 
And then right across from the church, they're building 500 new homes. And on the other side of the church, they're building 250 new homes. So we're going to have 750 homes right around our church. And that's what a local church is. So we are, in a sense, I'm being called to reach those 750 homes plus the other people in our community. And there's just so much potential and I'm uh, looking forward to what God's doing. And so I would say, yeah, it was that call. It was a wrestling thing because again, it's, it's, I had to set aside my fleshly desires, my, my being comfortable and, um, you know, step out by faith. I had to step out of the boat a little bit. And if God's calling someone to do something different, whether it be pastoring, preaching, just starting a new job and they're wrestling with that, how do they let go? How did they let go and allow God to work? You know, I, and I don't know if anyone else is, you know, other people may be different. Uh, but I think that you have to be in tune with God. Um, because like, if you're not, if you're not in tune with God and, you know, and what I mean by that is taking time in your, in your devotional life, taking time in your prayer life. And, and, you know, a lot of times we talk about reading your Bible and praying, we don't talk enough about fasting and meditation and, you know, uh, taking the time, setting aside time where just you and God get together. And when you're in, in tune with God, it's it's a lot easier to understand. And I think it kind of goes back to, you know, your gospel identity, because ultimately we are we are gods, you know. And so when we realize who we are and again, we become a yielded vessel to him, um, it's a lot easier to let go, um, even even when it is these, this stuff. I mean, the, and then the peace that he gives you when you do that, you know, I mean, people may look like I have people that are be like, you know, why would you leave the, such a good situation? And it's like, well, you know, it's hard for me maybe to understand that, but God knows God put me in this. And what I'm doing is I'm trusting God and it's, and how can we trust God and how can we have faith in God to let go if we're not in tune with God? And so what I'm saying here is, you know, look at God told Abraham to go and Abraham went, he didn't even ask where necessarily he just went, you know, and if we have that type of mentality, and I think that the the key thing there is Abraham was listening to the voice of God. And so if you're listening to the voice of God, it makes it a lot easier to let go than if you think about if I wasn't in tune with God, of course, I'd be staying because my flesh would be telling me to stay. And instead, God can help us to do the difficult things. Mm. Well, I love that. And um, man, I want to thank you for joining us today. But before we do finish off, we ask every guest this, I give you a DeLorean and I send you back in time. I send you back 10 years. You have to tell Eric 10 years ago, one piece of advice to get him through. What are you telling him? Um, one, one piece of advice, one piece of advice. Oh man. There's a, there's a lot I would tell myself. Um, I would say, uh, don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I'm a worrier by, I'm a worrier just to, you know, my, <laughs> I am a worrier by generation, you know, my family, you know, from my mom, my grandpa, you know, on down, we worry. And, you know, um, just, just understanding that good or bad, that understanding that God, God has me. And, you know, you think in just even in Matthew, Matthew six, it talks a lot about that, where it talks about, 
basically why, why are you worrying? And my mom used to always tell me why worry when you can pray, you know? Yeah. And I think for me that worrying and that, you know, it's, it, it got at times it got to my, even my mental, you know, and, and even my mental health in a sense. And so, you know, learning just to think on right things and, and cast, cast, uh, cast down, you know, those imaginations. And, um, you know, there's too many things that I either lost sleep over, or I worried about that. Ultimately, if I would have just realized that God had it under control, uh, it would have helped me, uh, tremendously. Well, don't worry. And, uh, you'd be giving him the right piece of advice because it looks like things are going pretty well. Pastor, once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if the people want to follow you online, if they want to find you online, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So I'm on, I have, I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. You, I think you can just search my name, but I'm the McKay four is the tag. So there's four of us. So um, and then I, on Facebook, it's Eric McKay. So just search Eric McKay with a K, uh, E R I K. And then, um, on Twitter, it's Eric M 30, Eric M 30. Uh, so I'm on all three social media platforms there. So that's awesome. Well, ladies and gents, as you know, that will be in the description below. Make sure you're following, have a chat with Ray and start on all the social media platforms, uh, let us know who you want on the show next. Keep this thing going. And uh, Pastor, thanks for talking to me. Hey, man, I had a great time. Thank you.